0: Thank you so much for joining in to today's podcast from Caleb Perkins Ministry. We pray that today's podcast will be uplifting and encouraging in your walk with the Lord. Now here's today's podcast.
1: What's going on, everybody? So happy to be back in the studio again today. I'm coming in hot. With Trenton! Meow, 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 meow. He's coming in hot! <laughs> blah, 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 blah. You should have, like, some intro music, you know? I really like, should. Have, like, some pyrotechnics in the background, like...
0: Ooh, go or on. pirate
1: uh, techniques. Yar, yar. <laughs> <laughs> Walk the planky. <laughs> That's almost King James right there. Anyways, <clears throat> go King James version on him, Trenton. Dun dun dun. Thou art, thou art this thine, <laughs> in thine place. Here we go. All right. Well, today uh, we would like to break down uh, Psalms twenty-seven. And uh, first thing to note, whenever you're going through uh, the Bible, knowing the books of the Bible is important, but also knowing the genre, right, the type of scripture it is that you're reading. Um, Psalms is the Psalter, right? That's what they call the collection of Psalms is the Psalter. Uh, is a uh, Psalms are songs, essentially. Hebrew songs and Hebrew poetry is what is classified as so a big thing to take from that, whenever you start to read it, when you're trying to put it into context, and you know you're reading through it, you're like, man, this might not make a lot of sense. But when you look at it, like this is a song that is sung from a psalmist who is, you know, in Hebrew they would have literally sung it. They would have played, you know, a harp instrument type deal, and they would have like sung the song. Um, <clears throat> there will be a lot of you know, metaphors in it and a lot of symbolism, so it could be directly, it could be a literal direct thing or it could be a figurative kind of speech that is given through the Psalms. So here in Psalms 27, which we're going to break this down into a few sections, but uh, the first section that I want to read is from uh, Psalms 27, 1 through 3. And it starts with, "...the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength of my life, whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumble and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident." So in this section right here, where like in, in the opening statement, they're kind of like setting up kind of the landscape of the song. So when they're singing it or they're saying it and you're going through it, um, you know, you, you could, from this, you could, I guess, surmise or come to the conclusion or whatever, that the psalmist may be in fear and the psalmist may be afraid but they're they're asking the question in the front like whom shall i be afraid and whom shall i fear yeah. and so in these questions it's kind of letting you know the the i guess the the heart of the individual that's singing it because it, not only are they singing it just to be singing it unto the lord but they're singing it to people to gain some type of wisdom right it, they're going to gain some perspective from it and they might say well yeah i'm frightened in this situation and i am afraid But then who should I be afraid of? Why? Because God is with me. Yeah. You know, and I think uh, when we were looking this up, Psalms 27, most scholars believe that this that David wrote this while he was uh, being hunted down by Saul. So during that portion, it's like, well, he talks about in verse three that an army may encamp against him. Well, that could be both metaphorical and physical Mm -hmm. in this situation. There could literally be an army (laughs) encamping around David and trying to hunt him down and find him. Um, But it could also be that the universal enemy, right, that's coming against him, the warring against him. And so when we take the Psalms and we try to apply it to modern day and like our lives now in the mind of a believer... That should be something that we know, right? Like, what are the things that we are afraid of? What do we fear? And should we? Should we be afraid of anything? Should we be in fear of these things? Because even though there may be adversaries, there may be oppositions and difficulties, we have the comfort knowing that, one, we are eternally secure with Christ, that we have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, and that the Holy Spirit's going to continue to lead, guide, and direct us, even in the midst of it.
0: Yeah. First thing that comes to my mind was Matthew ten twenty eight. Of course, I don't have anything to recite it with, but it's like, who are you going to fear? Yeah. And it's like, you can fear the people who can do stuff to your physical body, mm-hmm. but they have no control over your soul. Yeah. And then Romans eight thirty one. of course, mm-hmm. you know, God is for us, who can be against us? So it carried over into New Testament. Right. You know, yeah. it's not just the Old Testament.
1: Right. And I think that's an important thing because there are some Christians that just view the Old Testament and say, "Oh, well, those are outdated books because those the old covenant. Now we're in the new covenant." But there is so much wisdom and knowledge and understanding that you can see from, you know, the Psalms. There's a lot of wisdom in it. There is a lot of because I know so many people that I mean they have Psalms written all over their home and stuff, and it's like it's still applicable to today and your situation. Because we can find ourselves in those t- types of situations too. may not be yeah. a physical individual that's hunting us down and trying to kill us, but we can feel the pressures of the enemy in this world trying to discern what the the Lord is leading us into and how we're supposed to do that, and also the world that's always trying to, you know d- to have those snares and those traps for us to fall into. Here in uh, this next section here in verse four through eight, uh, or we'll go four through six. It says one thing, the one thing that I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me, he shall set me on high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. If you take this, right, not knowing or putting into context the Psalms, you will think that you need to go to a physical tabernacle to find God, right? But he's using this metaphorically as saying he's going to that secret place to find God and to commune with him, Yeah, right? And and the, the beauty of this is that if you think about David in his life, Oftentimes he would sing and he would play the harp and he made the song he made some psalms in, when he was a shepherd boy, you know and so he's going to recite those later on and write those things down. And so the devotion and the worship that he had towards God um, it was very much personal it wasn't a thing where David had to go into the holies of holies to encounter or experience God. God was continuing to speak with him, which is interesting because that was in the Old Covenant. Right. And so you see him already getting a glimpse of that New Covenant expression in the Old Covenant. And and God's like, hey, my servant David, all he's got to do is throw up a tent, I'll meet him there. Right? And then the other ones, it's like, yeah, there's all these rules and all these, you know, if the if the tabernacle is not this many cubits by this many cubits, and there, there's not the veil, with the holy of holies, and all of the sacrifices that, that need to be done. And, you know, he's saying, but his heart, with this type of heart and this level of devotion, I will be with him. And I always think about David, the things that he's gone through and the Lord seeing him through them, it actually strengthened his faith in it. And he did not by any means have an easy life. Right No. (laughs) he he got hunted down. I mean, after he was, you know, a warrior and he went out in the, in the battlefield all the time. And it was like, and he saw and had God with him and he always maintained that devotion level. It doesn't mean that he was perfect by any means. He did blow. (laughs) He blew it a bunch of times. Right. But the, the heart of him was towards God. So his heart was postured. And I think there has to be something significant, uh, said about the heart of an individual. We we mentioned this in a previous podcast talking about motive matters, right? What is the intent of your heart? And where's your heart at while you're doing something? And how are you living your life with that devotion to the Lord? I tell people, you know, they'll say, oh, well, I'm just waiting for a word from God. I'm like, why don't you go seek him, right? Because the word, he's eternal, so he's always speaking. The thing is, do you have an ear to be able to hear it? So when we go into that, um, the Holy of Holies now in the New Covenant, where it, that could be in your car. That could be in your, you know, uh, 10 years ago or 15 years ago is real popular, you know, the um, the prayer closet yeah. type deal. It's like that could be anything. I know some guys who their prayer closet is a tree stand, right, or on a tractor or whatever because yeah. that's where they meet God and they they have that time where they are posturing their heart to hear from God. You know, and it can be in anything.
0: Man, so many things came across my mind while you were talking about all that. I mean, you got like God when He's telling Samuel, "Obedience is better than sacrifice." You've got when Solomon was taking over, and he was like, "Salt," or toward the end, he yep. was like, "You have not been faithful and have a heart of devotion like your father David had." Yeah. Um. Even in Acts, they talk about David was a man after God's own heart. Yeah. I mean. And then the tabernacle, you know, like he's like going setting up a tent and I'll meet you there. Mm-hmm. What's awesome is like what was rare back then and like such a, a supremely rare and awesome occurrence is so common. Because now our bodies are our tabernacles. Yes. In yeah. which the Holy Spirit dwells. Yeah. That's a good word. We there. have all times we can do this. Yeah.
1: And we yeah. take it for granted. Yeah. I know twenty four seven, and I, you know, and I think about it too. When, um, when they were when in the scriptures where it says, you know, there was there were generations that would love to see and behold the things that you have seen now. Yeah, and it's like, man, with now the 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 new covenant expression that the church is able to walk into, and it's looking at the Old Testament, going, man, I wish I could go back there, and I'm like, no, 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 go forward in this. This is the greater time. These are the things where the former and the latter meet. And this yeah, is where wow. we, when we're chilling and we're sitting there praying and we're spending time with God, that the the creator of the universe can come and speak to you. And it's not like you have to be the holy anointed prophet of God or an apostle or carry some giant, you know, title with you for God to commune with you. And I, I think people listening to this podcast, I really want to encourage you guys like, listen, you you have, when you are a born-again believer in the body of Christ and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of you, you are pretty much unstoppable. You are unstoppable. As long as you are with God and you're doing what He's telling you to do and how you're flowing and operating with Him, you will fulfill the call and mission on your life. Now, does that mean that, you know, no harm will befall you? No, that doesn't mean that. Absolutely not. Why? Because there were trials and adversities that happened to every person that followed Christ. I mean, we see with Paul the different adversities that he he went through, and he ended up being martyred, but he still maintained his faith and focus and devotion on God. That God told him what he needed to do, how he needed to do it, and who he needed to train and build up to to leave with the responsibilities of leading the body of Christ. And I think that there's something beautiful about that. That when you are a when you are being led by the Holy Spirit. Um, that you can fulfill the things that God has for you, even when you're under those adversities. You're in the storm. You're in the midst of it. And it's hard to see that. But you can also do that. You can also miss God in the pleasantries, in the good times, right? Like with Solomon, he had everything. He is the richest dude ever, man. He had all this stuff, and it distracted him. Right he got all that influence from foreign gods and for the foreign wives that he ended up marrying, and it was like it it ended up changing his heart and his devotion towards God, and that's why you know he had to pretty much get rebuked.
0: It's true, <laughs> you know I mean you got comfort, convenience safety, security, that's complacency, and man, I gotta repent for that too, like if this doesn't humble you and fill you with such gratitude, yeah, just it's overwhelming, really, if you think about it because Truly, what Jesus said, like, they they wished they could have seen. Yeah. To think about that, and then what we take for granted.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, really. I mean, it does put things into perspective. I mean, even thinking, you know, the American— First world nation culture versus a third world nation culture, yeah. right? Like in a third world nation, they may literally be believing God for some rice and some food to sustain them, for to to keep them alive. Here it's like we have such luxury that w- we pray over our food, but I'm not sitting there every day believing God to get rice or food or something like that because, you know, we don't have those types of issues. And it's one of those things to be able to say, I will rely on the Lord in the plenty and in the want. Just like Paul would say, Hey, I've been with and I've been without. But one thing certain, I will continue to press in. I will continue to glorify the Lord and I will continue to follow him. Right? So, you know, and I think David really saw that. And I, I don't think he ever took that for granted even when he stu- uh, stepped into the kingship. I think, yeah, he, you know, he missed it and blew it in, in the different portions, but he was still a heart after God even in the midst of it cuz when he blew it he knew where to go
0: he's Repentance. like
1: I'm, yep i'm going to repent i'm going to go and i'm going to fast i'm going to pray i'm going to get right with god and when the prophets came to him to bring correction and stuff he took it he took it on the chin he's like yep that's me <laughs> i'm
0: the yeah, guy i'm
1: the guy that's yeah. yeah you're right he didn't say how dare you i'm a king kill him you know yeah, he could have he could have done that but he mm. was like no man and that's got to be That's got to say something about his heart, too, that he was willing to take that correction and to be humble in the middle of it. You know, because I think he thought about those cave experiences or where he had come from. I mean, we get that through when we're reading the Psalms. So here in uh, 7 through 10, it says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have become my help. Do not, for, do, not forsake, do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and mother forsook me, then the Lord will take care of me. And in this portion that we read here, you know, a lot of people have talked about, uh, scholars, that is, biblical scholars, have, have mentioned the relationship that David had with his, his father and mother. You know, when Samuel comes to uh, go through Jesse's. Yeah, he kid. wasn't even there. No, he was not there. And he was an afterthought. Yeah. They're like, is no one else? And he's like, well, I got this one. And he's out in the field. You know, he smells like sheep. He's dirty, you know. Yep. like, And he's like, we'll wait on him. We'll about, wait.
0: <laughs> even at the battle with Goliath, his brothers were like, what do you do? We know what you're after. Right. You know, blah, blah, blah. And
1: how much of that actually stemmed from the treatment that his mother and father treated to him that was passed down to his brothers? Yeah. Right? Because they, they had a perspective of him as well. So they were not, you know, Team David. They were <laughs> they were anti-David. <laughs> that shows you that he's saying even if the closest people to him that should love him have forsook him, that he will still maintain that devotion with God and seek his face. Which— that's huge. You yeah, know, man.
0: you've always got a father in heaven. Yeah. And it's, you know, I want to encourage those people too. Like, they got a lot. There's a lot of people who are blood family, but they're not family. And yeah. I mean, Jesus even talks about that when they come into, like, your brother and your mother outside. And he's like, who's my brother and my mother and my sister? Right. They're, they're the ones who do the will of the father. Yep. So we've always got a family. Mm-hmm. Yep. But. Sometimes we're just not linking up with them.
1: And sometimes we're so distracted by blood that we miss the kingdom. Yes. You know what I mean? And I think that that's important. Not saying, hey, you know, if you've got blood out there, you should just, you know, cut them off or whatever. Not saying that at all. You need to be led by the Spirit because there are relationships in your life that are toxic, and the Holy Spirit's been trying to tell you to, a distance yourself. That doesn't mean you just straight cut them out, but you're not giving them your heart. You're not opening yourself up for attacks. Especially if they're distracting you from the call that God has for you like if if it's a blatant like disobedient thing like the Holy Spirit's telling you to do one thing and they're like, "Well, I think that's dumb, you shouldn't do that and it's like, but I just told you God told me that I needed to do that like you need to reevaluate that you know not uh, everybody has that in their family, not everybody inside of a blood family is being led by the Holy Spirit
0: no I'm what know? I'm what I came to my mind just now was uh Eli and mm-hmm. the Old Testament, yeah. his sons were wicked. Yeah, they were. And then they made it so that, I mean, it even says in Scripture, basically, like, Eli, you knew about it, and you did nothing, mm-hmm. and it kind of, like, fell on him, and he ended up, like, falling backward, breaking his neck, because he yeah. was obese, because he was actually partaking in all the wickedness with them. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a, there's a real family, mm-hmm. then there's that, like, you know, almost like the, no, it's Levitical. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I think that when you when you look at it, you do have to be led by the Spirit. In relationships, I mean, honestly, relationships do require time, and I think that in, you know, taking balance and everything, I'm not an extremist. I think, well, as far as, like, when you read Scripture, right, there's, there's the two sides that you can fall into, and I tell people those are the ditches on the side, <laughs> right? And so people go into extremes on one side or the other. Like, Are they health and wealth and prosperity? They're in a ditch. Are they ultimate punishment and suffering, God's will? They're in another ditch. And it's like, you need to be in a balance. Does that mean that there's not health and wealth and prosperity? No, there Mm -hmm. is, but don't get crazy consumed with it. Is there suffering and persecutions? Yes, but don't get consumed with it. Because then you can get into a martyr complex and miss what God's actually trying to bless you with. Like when somebody tries to give you something or bless you and says, hey, God told me this. Oh, no, I can't take that. I just have to be poor, broke, and busted, and disgusted, right? Or in the opposite end, you're like, well, man, the, the, there's a there's people slandering me. God, I'm, I, I'm following you. Why is this happening? It's like, really? Like, dude, like, this is both biblical. Like, these are both biblical things. And knowing the time and the season and the situation is going to help you to be able to handle it. Right? Because not everything that comes to you yeah. that it, that looks negative is going to be negative. Right? you Like, for instance, when I got blown up, people could look at that and say, man, that was trauma. Like, God's will couldn't have been in that. And I'm like, have you seen the fruit off of my testimony that I've been able to lead people to Christ through that testimony and the, the doors that the Lord has used that? I'm like, man... You know, that's like telling David, well, I don't know why Saul went and persecuted you and hunted you down. I'm sure it made him a better king because he's like, I'm not going to repeat these traits that I saw from this. Yeah. You know, and it's it's stuck with him. And so here in uh, I'm going to read 11 through 14. It says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord; be of good of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So here in the in verse eleven he's reiterating that that cry out to God of him teaching him and guiding him and directing him. And this is so fascinating because this is in an old covenant, right? In the new covenant, we take that for granted. It's like, oh, well, Romans 8, 14, those that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. In the old covenant, that was very rare, right? So he's telling, he's, he's crying out to God saying, hey, teach me, Lord, because... Show me that smooth path that I need to take. Why? Because my enemies are setting up traps against me and they're trying to take me out. So I literally need to know where to move, how to move, and I need to move with smoothness and precision. Yeah. You know? And that should still be our cry today. I mean, we can still take that today and be like, oh, okay, yep, Lord, give me eyes to see and ears to hear. Like, I need to know it, right? Because not everything that's open are you supposed to walk through. And not everything that's shut do you need to not kick down or knock on, right? Talking about open doors and open things like that. It was an old thing back in the day. People would say, well, if the door's open, that's God opening doors, just walk through it. I'm like, that's not right. Why? <laughs> that's, a, that's a ditch. Why? Because you know what door's always open? The one to sin." There's always opportunities for sin. Always. Yeah, it's open. It's a highway, man, and it's always there, ready for <laughs> you to partake in. Man, the devil goes before you. He's like, yeah, this one, this one, this no, one. Oh, I one. got all these doors. Look at these ones. Which one do you want? Which yeah. one do you got? <laughs> and but then in Matthew chapter seven, he says, "Ask, seek, and knock. Why are you knocking? Because the door's shut. But if you would take the effort, mm-hmm. you will gain entrance and access." And I tell people, just because a door is shut doesn't mean that that's not something you need to kick down or, or knock on. So pray and seek the Holy Spirit, yeah. right? Because not everything is going to be, you know, rainbows and daisies. So he, he talks about um, delivering him from his adversaries because false witnesses have risen up against him, and they breathed out such things such as violence towards him. And he would have lost heart unless he had believed in the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and I, I believe this is in this portion of this psalm david is is focusing the attention on yes there are negative things but if you consume yourself by the negative things and not see the goodness of god in the midst of it and you miss that you know you're going to you're going to miss the whole assignment i'm thinking of peter walking out of the boat right yeah, there's a storm. Yeah, there's waves. But as long as he had the command from Jesus to go, he was walking on the water. But it's when he took his eyes off of Christ that he started to sink, because then he focused on the waves. Don't focus on the waves. Don't focus on the storm. Don't focus on that. That doesn't mean you're in denial. doesn't mean you're saying, the storm ain't there, the waves ain't there, I ain't walking on water, you know. it It's saying that your focus is more on the Lord.
0: That's it. Yeah. Interesting that you said that, because when you said that, I was thinking about two things, and it was the same thing, pretty much, just different places. It was in 1 Peter 3, and chapter 3 and chapter 4, it was actually Peter that was saying, like, you're going to go through these persecutions, trials, and sufferings, and you just need to have faith through them. Yeah. Um, But also, I'm thinking about, you know, that storm and stuff. You go back to David in the Psalms, he's literally singing praises in the storm.
1: Yeah. He's in the he's in the heat of it. You know? And his very life and the men, and the life of his men depend on him being able to hear from God. And we, so this is why he's crying out and he's saying, Hey, we're gonna stay devoted and we're gonna keep our, our focus on the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that last portion in fourteen, it says, Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. And I I think there has to be something said about waiting. Like and i tell this to people if you're listening to this if you have not heard anything from god stand still and wait right if you're if you're praying for say you're asking god if you're supposed to move or you're supposed to do something and take a different direction and you haven't heard a way to go just stand still and wait until you receive the direction because if you just go out you could be going out too early if you go you could be going to the wrong place and there is something to say about going and having the Lord ordain your steps and going in the path that he has chosen for you, um, you're going to see so much out of that.
0: Man, so while you were saying that, the uh, Holy Spirit called to my remembrance something I had seen a long time ago, maybe just maybe going into high school, mm-hmm. but it was a video of a snake And there was um, maybe a a mouse or something. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And there was also a scorpion. And they're both extremely sensitive to movement on the sand. And so every time the mouse moved, they both encroached. And they both got closer to the mouse until, like, it was, they were so close to each other. The scorpion was more sensitive to movement. So he made the first move and the snake got the scorpion instead and all the mouse had to do was just be still. Yeah. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. And well, and that goes to show you you taking the time to wait upon the Lord, that is there's nothing wrong with that. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. You honestly your waiting is active waiting because you're inquiring of the Lord. Going yeah. back to my first statement. Hey, if you're if you're waiting for that word from God, go get it. Well, what does that mean? That means you're still waiting on God but you're go- you're actively pursuing doesn't mean you're going out ahead of him doing actions, you're waiting to hear from God and you're re- inquiring of the Lord on what to do next. Yeah. see I do this a lot um, especially like for ministry when different churches or organizations say they want to do like a revival service or they want to do meetings or whatever I will tell them, hey man, I'm going to pray and inquire of the Lord why cuz i'm i'm not supposed to go to everything yeah so just because there's an opportunity to go to something doesn't mean that i'm supposed to do it and that it's going to be a good fit cuz so i've been to places i shouldn't have been and i knew it and afterwards i was like oh man that was a bust i mean there was still it was still good uh fruit from it if you want to say that but i knew that it it was like god used the opportunity to show me hey you weren't supposed to be there but i still worked in the midst of you not supposed to be there just because of the goodness of the Lord, right? But then it got me into a, a place, especially at older in ministry. Now, you know, I wouldn't say older in ministry, more mature, I guess, in ministry. I'm like, hey, I will pray about that and see if that's something that I'm supposed to do. And when I when I find out the answer, then I'll go because then when I know that the Lord wants me to go, I know it's it is going to be significant on why I need to be there. Yeah, you know what I mean. Even I, if it if I it doesn't show, know what you mean. I, yeah. I've
0: been there too many times.
1: <laughs> yeah, just I, just because you can
0: go doesn't mean you should go, right? I think <laughs> wait when,
1: upon the Lord.
0: I think when I first met upon. you, you were talking about that with the difference between good opportunity and a God opportunity. But man, David even shows us that an example when he was in that cave of Adalem.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: when he just had to bunker down and wait, and then eventually a prophet came and told him. It's time to leave. Yeah. And then he left. hmm Yeah. It's hard. The, waiting is, is, I think that's a song. Waiting is the hardest part or something. <laughs> but.
1: If not, it should be. Right. Yeah, but it's true, right? Because uh, I think people, especially nowadays, we have that microwave mentality. We want things instant. We want things as fast as they can come. And, it's, and we have to take that realization and realize that God is eternal, and He's not in a hurry, no, right? He's, he's not. not in a hurry. He, <laughs> he knows how it's supposed to play out and what needs to happen, and there is a timing thing. That's why we hear that in the fullness of time, God sent his son. Why? Because previous to that, it would not have worked. After that, it would not have worked. There is a precise time that it needed to happen. There is a precise time that we were born on this earth. There's a precise time that somebody's listening to this podcast. <laughs> I mean, they might hear this podcast from a year or two from now, and but then it's they their th- and it's their time that they needed to hear it.
0: Yeah. I think one of the first preachers I ever heard when I became a Christian, he told me, Oh, don't worry. God is never early, but He's never late. And I was like, <laughs> "That's not. Yeah, I don't understand like, what that, you're saying. That
1: makes me worry. <laughs> built, you're like, I already have anxiety from this. I need prayer. <laughs> right. But it's true. It is true. And and I think that it, the the sooner that you can you can grasp that concept of God being on time, and even though it's not our time. Or what we would like it to be, time, because it does yeah. work out for our time. We just don't see it as working out for our time, right? But it, but when we posture ourselves in recognizing the goodness of God, like even after I knelt on the on the bomb in Afghanistan, I didn't blame God for that. I didn't say, God, why did you do this? I should never have been hurt and yada yada yada. No, I was always I uh, was posturing my heart to saying, hey, this is not the end, I'm still alive, I'm still going to fulfill what God's called me to do, and I mean, in, in that instance, it wasn't like, okay, after I knelt on the bomb, okay, now God called me into ministry. No, it was it was several years after that. So I was still maintaining being a special operations sniper, and walking out what the Lord had done there, because I wasn't finished. There were still divine appointments that and connections that I needed to take while I was there, and God's like, hey, it's all right, there will be a time, this will be a time, and just maintaining it. It, it, Having the unknowns can build up stress and anxiety in an individual, but I think as you read the Psalms, it should bring you hope and comfort, knowing, hey, wait on the Lord. And in verse 14, he emphasizes that twice. And so when you're reading Hebrew poetry when they when there's a repetitive word or verse that they are they're trying to highlight that in the end and it, well throughout the psalm but especially if they put it in the end and it's twice at the end it's like this is the capstone of this of this song. He's he's saying, listen, yes, all those things will happen. Yes, I will maintain my faith in the Lord. Everybody can forsake me. The adversaries can come against me. I need to inquire and seek the face of God. And then what am I gonna do? I'm gonna wait on the Lord. Yeah. I'm gonna seek his face. You might not find it right off the bat, but I will wait on the Lord. And when I see his face and I receive his word and I receive his direction, then I will move. You know? And I think waiting on the Lord and knowing what you need to do gives you another level of confidence, right? And it gives you that courage. And he mentioned that courage. Where was that at? That was in twenty seven. Oh, yeah, it's in 14. He said, be of good courage. He said, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. He's like, listen, if you want to not have your heart in distress and be in that stress and anxiety and being overwhelmed, wait on the Lord. Knowing that you are seeking his face and you're going to hear from him, and then when you receive those instructions then you can move out then you can execute what he has told you to do i mean that that takes that takes a huge level of maturity i've met a lot of missionaries that yeah. like just talking to them they're like yeah i went years before i was supposed to go and we hit so many roadblocks and it was like nothing was working and they realized that they had received the word but they didn't ask god when and so they went yeah. as missionaries, and they're like, nothing's happening. And they were like, well, maybe we're not even supposed to be missionaries. And then God was like, no, now. And then they went, and then it was like it all clicked. And they were like, ah, we were way early. They are way early. And looking back on that, you can sit there and see the patterns that, that God does, you know, with his sons and his daughters. It's like, yeah, he can give you a word, and it can prepare you for where you need to go. And I, I said this on a previous podcast. I think me and Josh were doing it, but— when we were 9 and 10, there was an evangelist that came in and said, he prayed over us and said, you have that Joshua and Caleb spirit. And it was like, he didn't even know our names. And so it was it was kind of funny because everybody at the church was like, what? And he's like, I see you being an evangelist and you're going to be called to nations and there will be hundreds of thousands of souls saved and all these miracle signs and wonders are going to happen. And we're 9 and 10. That is not the time to go. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's going to be a lot, and he didn't give us a time frame. He just said, gave that word, and that was it. Was it right? Absolutely, it was right, but it was early. But it was early for a reason, because we needed that level of preparation, and we had to go through and listen to God and be obedient to him. And I think about when David gets ordained to be king, he doesn't step in to be king Not at that early. age. Years. Yeah, but he, he already received the anointing yeah. to be king though it took a process for him to step into it and thinking of Joseph Joseph receives the dream when he's a young man yeah. he comes into second in command and everything's fulfilled later on in his life so there is that point of waiting and that point of preparation but sometimes God will show you something that is years before you're even supposed to step into it and that and I'm just cautioning people that are listening to this there might be something that God's laid on your heart it doesn't mean that it it's it ha- it's not coming to pass yet, but it could be a process. And you need to pray and seek God and say, okay, Lord, if this isn't going to happen for a few years, how's the best way that I can prepare now? What do I need to do? And I would just encourage you, continue honing in your ears to be able to hear from God. And when you develop that keenness of of listening to the Holy Spirit, then when you are sent, you'll know with precision. It won't be like, oh, you need to go to you know africa for this mission trip or whatever he'll be like you need to go to this city right here this place and when you go there then you will see it happen you i mean africa's big man like you need <laughs> you need a little more direction than just <laughs> africa you know what i mean or nepal or india pakistan wherever it's like where though mm-hmm. cuz there are people that are there that you're not supposed to be connected with there are people there that you, that you weren't supposed to go and do ministry with what? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of places out there that it's like, you know that it gets weird, man. So you need to know who you need to be connected with, how things are going to work, how how funds are going to be handled and things like that. And when you're going with the leading of the Holy Spirit, he'll connect you with the people that you're supposed to be connected with. And I think that there's there's something about that in in the wait. Like get used to the wait.
0: You know? <laughs> get used to the wait. I think that's
1: yeah. And ask questions, ask questions inquire of the Lord. Ask questions and get get used to the wait.
0: Get used to the wait. Don't be in a hurry. That is a true story.
1: Yeah, I've talked to a lot of um, young evangelists. You know, they come up and they're like, "Yeah, I think God's wanting me to step into this, uh, into these, and do these crusades and all this and that." He showed me a dream of uh, this multitude of people, and I'm like, "Okay, that's cool." I was like, "How about we go to Walmart?" What? I'm like bro, you can't be scared of ministering at Walmart if you're going to go preach at thousands of people. Like, we we need to start working in preparation now. Like, do you even pray out loud? Do you even have a message prepared? Do you even know what the Lord's wanting to lay on your heart? Can you hear from the Holy Spirit? No, I can't do that. I just got a cool dream. Okay, well, he's preparing you. Not saying the dream ain't going to come to pass, but we don't know when in time that's going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Be like, that could be 30 years from now, man. Be like... We've got a lot of divine appointments and a lot of hearing from the Lord and a lot of devotion and um, relationship building with God till then. Yes. And okay. that's just as important as doing the big crusade or whatever, you know? It's the process. It's the process of maturing and growing in God. I gotta tell you, God loves the process. Yeah.
0: The humans don't, but right. but <laughs> <laughs> God yeah. does for sure.
1: You speaking from personal oh, experience yeah, there, oh, yeah, <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah. 41 I'm, years yep, of it. Uh, <laughs>
0: I, I lumped myself in with the humans. Oh my gosh, I can't even count how many times I've jumped ahead, too many times. But that, see, that's just the goodness of God. Yeah. I mean, he knows. Right. And and he used every single event I've ever messed up, and he was like, I know you're gonna mess this up, and I still got something there for you to learn.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, and I, I think that that's, that's key, right? Right. Waiting on the Lord, hearing from Him, learning even in the in the mistakes. Like, yep, I blew that one. God, He's like, did you learn something? This is what I'm trying to show you. Okay, yep, uh, yep, blew that one big time. I'm de- I'm definitely learned from my lesson on that. And I think you should do that as as growing and maturing in Christ. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. And so w- this is a relationship. I've been married to my wife for 21 years. I can't say oh every con- every conversation we've ever had. I've never misunderstood her no i've misunderstood her a bunch but i've in that relationship i didn't stop listening to her right, right? i i inquired and i'm like oh you meant that uh, i totally did not hear that you were speaking pink and i was hearing blue and uh we got our wires crossed and it's the same way with god right when we have that relationship with him he's like oh you showed me this and i ran 100 miles an hour at it and I, you were like, I didn't tell you to go yet. <laughs>
0: You're like, oh. Yeah, tweet. Oh. Offsides. <laughs> Five-yard penalty.
1: <laughs>
0: man, I got so many penalties. <laughs>
1: He's like, man, I'm MVP of penalties. <laughs> Be like, I was winning for the other team. I don't know what happened.
0: <laughs> but he kept me from that serpent.
1: Yeah, that's right. There you go. <laughs> and I think, I think that's beautiful about uh, – reading psalms reading especially psalms 27 love that uh that chat that psalm i think that it is a it's just a great expression of what we can use as christians today we can understand yeah we're going through things we have all of these things but we need to you know who should we be afraid of who should we have fear of if the lord's with us we need to understand and take that confidence and courage in saying okay i'm going to inquire of the lord i'm going to wait on him i'm going to seek his face but that also takes us into a, an assumption is that we are praying and we are reading and we are seeking his face well what does that look like it you know when you're praying you should be expecting to receive something from god doesn't mean the clouds are going to open up and you're going to you know the room's going to shake and he's going to be like the, say it, the lord god you know that'd be kind of cool you know i'd like that that'd be neat but yeah well i've also, not heard that
0: <laughs> it's unrealistic expectation to yeah. expect immediate response really i mean it's you know it's I'd say an expectation for immediate response is, is rather immature, and yeah. it can happen. Right. It has happened before, but it it's shouldn't not be... The, it's not the norm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, especially when he's trying to grow you and mature you, because there's a level of uh, weight and discipline uh, that happens that that actually grows you in your relationship.
0: And I think that's where people struggle the most, is they're willing to wait up to a certain point. Yeah. And then they don't see anything coming, mm. so they walk away. And as soon as they walk away, here he comes around the corner.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's like, so you ready? And you're like, I was packing up my bags and leaving. I didn't know. <laughs> okay, now we're going? Okay, that's great. He's like, yep, <laughs> you should have asked me.
0: Because, <laughs> you like, know, <sighs> humans like the, the formulas, the, the systems, the, the time frame. Like, what is the last day? Yeah. When do I have to, like, know when not to wait? (laughs) Right, yeah. Could
1: you show me that? How many years am I spending in prison? Okay. Golly. (laughs) That'd be rough. Oh, well, we pray that this episode has encouraged you and uplifted you. Just really want to encourage you all that's out there that when you're reading uh, Psalms, you know, the the Hebrew poetry, taking from the expression that is given there and uh, being able to apply it to your life personally— Uh, knowing that as you wait upon the Lord and seek His face, that even with all the adversaries and the different things that could be going on, the storm that could be going on, uh, you will will gain that courage, and your heart will be strengthened as you continue to wait on the Lord and build your faith up with Him. So we hope that this has encouraged you and built you up. Y'all have a phenomenal day.
0: Thank you so much for joining in today's episode. If you would like to learn more about Caleb Perkins Ministries, please go to www.calebperkinsministries.com.